Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Praise the Lord. Well, we are so excited. We are diving into a sermon series called The Savior Has Come. The Savior Has Come. Come on, aren't you guys thankful that the Savior has come to the earth? And as Pastor Dave mentioned, the building looks amazing. There is decoration everywhere. When you walk up and down the streets, our neighbors have put up all their, all their trimmings and all the lights in the front. In this time of year, it's important for us to remember the real reason for the season, right? That's a, that's a very cliche saying that we say all the time. But there really is a reason for the season of Christmas, there really is a reason all the Christmas trees are right, are, are okay, are, are good. All the presents are good. Watching Christmas movies are good. Singing Christmas carols are good. But the reason for the Christmas time season is because the Savior of the earth came and dwelt among us. Little baby, a little over 2,000 years ago, came and he gave up his throne room. He gave up his space in heaven. He gave up his, the glory of heaven and came to this earth and died and lived a sinless life and resurrected. The Savior has come to the earth. So we're going to take a look over the next couple of weeks at the, what this amazing thing happened, how Jesus came to the earth, the purposeful, the impactful, the decision that Jesus made that that literally changed the course of history, that the Savior came to the earth. And we're going to dive right in today. The title of today's message is The Savior Has Come to Save Us. The Savior Has Come to Save Us. There's a funny thing that happened to us yesterday. So we were out as a family. We actually had some basketball. You know, the season, it's basketball season, winter time. But time for basketball, so my boys are in basketball. We went out, we, uh, we did some things as a family afterwards, and we got to the place where my boys, they had played basketball, they were hungry, and I didn't eat a lot for breakfast, so I was really hungry, and so all three of us were like, Mom, we, we gotta get something to eat. So we, we went to the place where, you know, naturally everyone goes to when they're hungry for food. We went to Chick-fil-A, which I think is the greatest restaurant in the world. And I'm thankful that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Otherwise, I would see a bunch of phones coming out right now, and people would be placing mobile orders for Chick-fil-A. I know, I, I would. But Chick-fil-A is this, this amazing place. And we walked in, and I, I, I was telling uh, someone earlier that there's hunger, and then you know there's, there's hangry. Well, I was, I was past that. And my boys were, were, were so hungry, too. So we were sitting there, and we were like, we have to get something to eat. We walk into Chick-fil-A and I said, Susie, you, you got to order. You, you got to take care of things because all I can do is just sit there and stare at the waffle fries on the screen and the Chick-fil-A sauce and the chicken and I can't wait to get them in my stomach. So Susie was ordering. The boys were sitting there in front. She was ordering. And I was just sitting there and, you know, God gives dads this, this 
this, this instinct, not just a sixth cent, a seventh cent. You see the, the videos of dads as, you know, kids riding down the hill and he just kind of sticks out his hand and he catches them and the bike goes running along or a, guy, a dad sitting in a, a room with his kids and he just happens to calmly walk up and the kid's getting ready to fall the crib and he just walk, catches them, puts them back in the crib and goes, sits back down. You guys have all seen those videos, right? Well, I had one of those moments yesterday where we were standing there here at Chick-fil-A and I had nothing to, I could think about nothing except for waffle fries in my stomach. And I definitely need saving at that moment because God really needed to help me. I was so hungry. So we were sitting there and I see the two boys and one of my boys is playing with a little decoration that's on the counter. And I was standing there and again, thinking about nothing else except for waffle fries and I see this decoration, and one of my sons starts playing with a little piece that's hanging off of it. And this is tree, and it had candy canes, it had tinsel, it had ornaments, it had all these different things on it. He starts playing with something hanging from it. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking about, like I said, for seven times. I was thinking about waffle fries. And so I'm sitting there, we're, 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 seeing, we're, we're ordering, and I see out of the corner of my eye the tree start going like this. And it's not like one of these things, guys. It was this big. And so if it would have fallen, it would have been a big mess. And it was lunchtime, and so there's a lot of people there. So out of the, I just saw it happening, and I just kind of did one of these things. <laughs> and just kept looking at the waffle fries. And there's a guy right next to me at the register next to me, a dad with his daughter. He just goes, he understood. He goes, nice catch. <laughs> I was in that, in that moment... If I had not caught that, my son, it would have been a big, it would have been a, a challenge. We would have had a mess on the floor. We would have had a challenge to clean up. We would have had an issue to clean up. And in that moment, I saved my son from all the, you know, mess that we would have had to deal with. In the same way, Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from the mess in our lives. Jesus came to the earth. He came because God wanted us to be in union with him. Bible says that he came to seek and to save the lost. And when God created humankind, he's wanted to, our, uh, he wanted to be in perfect union with him. We wanted, he wanted us to live and to worship with him with nothing in between us. But because Adam sinned, each and every one of us born in this earth have our own version of sin. We're born into a fallen world. And so there had to be something to change the disconnect between us and God. And so God said, you know what? I'm gonna send my son. I'm gonna send my son to live a life, to live a perfect life. And because he's gonna live a perfect life, there is going to be a connection between us, between me and the children that I love. So Jesus came. He came to save us. He came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus came in a supernatural way for a supernatural purpose. And I want to encourage us today, if you're here, maybe you've known the Lord for decades, I want to encourage you, open up your eyes and your heart and your mind in a new way today. God wants to speak to each and every one of us. The Savior came for us today. He came for us back then. He came for us. He's coming for us in the future. The Savior is for each and every one of us. Those of you online, the Savior has come for you. The Savior has come for us. And we're going to take a look at the book of Matthew and how Matthew writes the introduction, how he tells the story of how the Savior came to the earth, how the Savior came and dwelt among us. Matthew wrote this 
Uh, and he wrote this story. Uh, as he wrote his gospel, I should say, he uses prophecies from the Old Testament. He says, he tells, uh, use prophetic words that were given through the prophets some hundreds of years before, and he inserts them in the story of Jesus. And the reason is, is he wanted the people, the nation of Israel, to recognize that Jesus is actually the Savior of the world. That Jesus came, yes, to seek and to save the lost. So we're going to take a look at the book of Matthew. It's going to be chapter 1, verse 15. It's going to be on the screen, but also I want to encourage you, if you have the Chicago Tabernacle app, it's going to be on there as well. Matthew chapter 1, verse, uh, excuse me, starting with verse 18. It says, the birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, deceived, excuse me, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant to give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you came to seek and to save the lost, which includes us. God, thank you that you came, you lived a life that was sinless. You lived a life that was perfect. You lived a life that allowed us access to the heavenly Father. So, Father, we ask that you would just impart your wisdom to us today. God, we pray, Lord, that we would recognize your saving grace in a new way today. God, I pray that for every person that hears my voice, they would recognize that they are in need of a Savior God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a perfect plan for our lives and we open our hearts to you so that way we can fulfill it, Lord, through your saving grace. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. The Savior has come to save us. And, and those of you, um, this passage, as we are reading this passage, you, it might be very familiar to you. There's statements in here that are in... Uh, familiar Christmas carols. There's statements in this passage that we read uh, almost every year as we talk about uh, the Christmas season. And as we read this passage, we gotta, we're going to look at this through a unique lens today. We're going to look at this through the lens of Joseph. Joseph was a unique character. Joseph was a character who, if you, you could gloss over his impact in this story, you could gloss over what the decisions he made, the actions he took, how it impacts us even today. So Joseph and Mary, we read, they were engaged to each other. And Joseph finds out that his fiance was pregnant and it wasn't his. What do you think Joseph was thinking about in that moment? Shock, pain, hurt, disbelief, confusion. Joseph was thinking about these things, and then he said, you know what? 
I'm, I'm going to distance myself from this. I don't want to deal with this. I love her, but I, I, I don't want to ridicule her. I don't want to shame her. I don't want to put her down, but I can't be associated with this. So he says, you know, I'm going to divorce my fiance. I'm going to go through the process of legally separating our engagement. Back then, the engagement process was more binding than it is in our day and age. Once a family, this two families said, hey, yes, this man and woman are going to get married, there was almost like a contractual agreement. The only way that that could be broken was through death or divorce. In this case, Joseph was divorcing his fiance because of supposed infidelity. So Joseph is processing these things, and then an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, listen, what is happening right now is bigger than what you can imagine. What's happening right now is bigger than maybe you can even understand in this, the, the way that you're processing. The, what's happening right now is not only called by God, it is, it is birthed by God, literally. Joseph had the opportunity to make a decision that really, it not only impacted the time and the day and age, impacted Mary, impacted Jesus, but it impacts us today. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, take Mary to be your wife. There's a plan that God has. In fact, this plan was hundreds of years in the making. The, the, the prof, prophetic word that is referenced here is from Isaiah chapter 7, and it's over 700 years old at this time. Isaiah was 700 years before this time, and he prophesied there will be a virgin, and she will give birth, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Imagine a word spoken in thir the year 1321 coming true today. That's the impact, and that is the magnitude, and that is how long this work was in process. So Joseph was praying for these, was, was in this situation. And also, think about Joseph. The Bible says he was a righteous man. He was an upright man. He is a, one, he's a, he's a man that recognized the plan of God, recognized the prophecies of God, recognized that the, the, the prophet said, hey, there's gonna be a, a Messiah that comes. And so he, along with the rest of the nation of Israel, was expecting a Savior to come. He was expecting for a Savior to come and overthrow the Roman government. He was expecting for a Savior to come, someone of royal lineage, someone to come that was gonna wear an earthly crown, but the, as, as God always does, Jesus came in a way that we didn't expect. And a lot of times, we have certain expectations of what God is going to do in our lives, but I'm here to tell you today, the Savior saved us in ways beyond our expectations. The Savior saves us in ways even beyond our expectations. Jesus came. He came in a way that was beyond the expectations of the day. Jesus saves us from things that we know and things that we don't know. Jesus saves us from things that we know are happening in our life. He saves us from, from the sin that we see. He saves us, from, saves us from things that we read from the Bible, we understand, we process in our spirits. But he also saves us from ways, things that we don't know. You see, there is a, a spiritual battle that is happening right now, right? There, the Bible says that there are heavenly realms. There is a spiritual warfare that is happening, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the heavenly Father, and he's doing battle. He's interceding for us. And there are things that I believe that we are not going to understand that Jesus saves us from until we get to heaven. The other thing is, I want to challenge us today. Maybe you're here and you've known the Lord for decades. 
There are ways that God wants to save you today. His salvation is not just a moment. It's a constant process. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that today, even though I gave my life to Jesus when I was a little boy, that his salvation is new each and every day, and I can be cleansed in the blood of Jesus. I can be washed in the word of the, the lamb. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am thankful that his salvation is new each and every day, and I want to challenge our perspective of the expectations of the salvation that God has for us today. You might be expecting God to, to deliver you from pornography. Praise God. But I want to challenge your expectations. Not only does he want to do that, he wants to deliver you from the lustful thoughts too. You might be here, you might, you, you might be battling uh, with a relationship challenge with your son or your daughter or your parent or your sibling. Not only does God want to save you from that strife and that issue, and not only does God want to save you and, and rekindle your relationship, he wants to heal the anger that is the root of that issue. God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can hope or imagine. God wants to heal us and to save us and to redeem us beyond the expectations that we even know. Amen? Amen. God wants to save us beyond our expectations. The Savior saves us in ways beyond our expectations. And we're going to take a look at, just for a couple moments, at Joseph. How God used him, and God did things beyond his expectations. The first thing is that the Savior is closer to us than we can imagine. The Savior is closer to us than we can imagine. Again, we're looking through the lens of Joseph. Let's look at this. Joseph, his fiance gets pregnant. His world, his dreams of having a, you know, a, a, a life together is dashed. Joseph is processing through all these things. What do I do with this woman that I love? This woman that I care for? This woman that is, that is, 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 that I believe that God has is, is called me to. He has this decision to make. What do I do with it? He was in a pickle, guys. He was in a lose-lose situation. Either he divorces her and she's an outcast from society or she mar he marries her and they, there is the stigma, stigma of, being, of having a child before, before they were married. He was in a lose-lose situation, but little did Joseph know that Jesus was already a part of the situation. You if you read this text, Joseph found out that, that Mary was pregnant before he found out who the baby was. So the situation had unearthed before Joseph actually realized that Jesus was already there. The Savior had come not only to save the world, but to save him, to save his life, but to also to save him from this situation. And I, I have to be honest with you guys, as I've been processing this, as I've been preparing for this, there, this has been something that's been ministering to my heart in a way that I've, I've, I've quite frankly never experienced before. As I've been preparing for this, and, and, and God, what, what do you wanna show me through this text? What do you wanna show me? What can I learn through this? I have learned, even in the little, the small, what seems to be the mundane, God is there. 
Jesus is closer than I can imagine. There's, there's, uh, there, I, there are literally numerous things that have happened to me in the past week and a half, two weeks, that I've realized when I have this perspective that Jesus is closer than I even know that he is orchestrating things for my good. He has a plan for our lives. He wants us to, 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 to be used by him, and he, he is closer than we really know. And you might be here, and you might be challenged with a teenager, and you say, there's nothing that I can do to change this teenager's mind. Any, any parents of teenagers going through that right now? I saw a couple hands shoot up right there. Someone went, did two hands. But let me tell you, let me encourage you. Jesus is already there. Jesus is closer than you know. Jesus is working in that, in that teenager's heart. You might have a financial situation. You say, Gee, there's, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can, I can resolve these things in the books. The numbers don't add up. The, num- the line, there's, there's, it just doesn't work. I'm, I'm not, you know, good, I'm good at math, and this, this doesn't work. But my encouragement to you today is Jesus is already there. The Bible says that he will be Emmanuel, God with us. And because there's no end to who God is, there is no definition, there's no line of his with us-ness, if I can say it that way. That means he's with you in everything, in the big things in your life and the small things in your life. My wife, she gets this gift from her mom. When you pull into a parking lot, and there's the parking lot, it just seemed like jam-packed. She goes, Jesus, would you give us, would you give us a parking spot? And whoop, whoop, right there. She gets it from her mom. Jesus is with you even when you need parking spots, especially in the city of Chicago. Jesus is with you. God is Emmanuel, God with us. And my encouragement to you today, if you find yourself in a situation that you feel hopeless, if you find yourself in a situation that you, it seems like it's lose-lose, there's no way out, Jesus is with you. If you think that there's, that there's something going on in your family, that there's no way around it, Jesus is with you. He's closer than you can imagine. He's closer than you can think. He's closer than you even know. And the, the, the crazy thing to me about this is not only did Jesus come and save Joseph, Jesus also came and saved Mary. Jesus came, Joseph was about to divorce her, and because the angel came and said, no, God is doing something, the saving grace, the grace that Joseph gave Mary is a perfect picture of the grace that God gives us. Even though it looks like, even though things happen, God gives us grace and washes it and cleanses it like it doesn't even happen. Joseph said, Mary, come on, you're gonna be my wife because God told me. Jesus is closer than we know, the Savior is closer than we know. He's Emmanuel, God with us. The other thing is that the Savior works through our situations. The Savior works through our situations. Okay, then we have, again, let's take a look at Joseph. He's in this pickle. He says, okay, God, I trust you. Takes Mary to be his wife. But not only does God extend saving grace through Jesus, who's, by the way, still in the womb of Mary. Not only did God extend the saving grace to Joseph, not only did God extend the saving grace to Mary, 
But God used them as a catapult of salvation to millions of people. Take a look at this. She will give birth to a son. Okay, the Bible says Mary is gonna give birth to a son, a supernatural occurrence. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It was nothing that in the natural that can, can explain it. She will give birth to a son. The virgin will give birth to a son. And he will save his people from their sins. A, a supernatural occurrence, something that only Jesus could do because he's the only one that was perfect. She will give birth to a son. He will save his people from their sins. But right in the middle, a declaration, a promise, an assignment from the angel. The Bible says that Joseph was told, you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, in the natural, it seems kind of unique because Joseph had no part, right? There's no biological part that Joseph had with the birth of Jesus, there's nothing that in the natural that Joseph did for, the, for Jesus to be born. But here's the thing. God gave Joseph an assignment. God gave Joseph a purpose. And God wants each and every one of us to be instruments of not only salvation for ourselves, but instruments of salvation to other people. God wants us to be the conduits of salvation to other people. God wants us to be the conduits of grace to other people. God wants us to be, the, the, the procl be able to proclaim salvation for other people. Joseph had the responsibility and the privilege of proclaiming the destiny of Jesus before he was even born. Jesus, which means savior, which means deliverer, which means rescuer, which means the one that's gonna come and take away your sin and my sin and those of you online, your sin. Joseph had the privilege and the responsibility of the one saying, this is who you're gonna be if they could send a keyboard player. Jesus was called to be savior, but Joseph had the privilege of proclaiming that over his life. And there's people in your lives right now there's things that God has worked in your life, things that God has done in your life that God is telling you, don't hold this for yourself. Don't just hold on to the, the testimony, the salvation that I've given you. Don't just hold on to the fact that I, I delivered you from a life of addiction just for yourself. You are called to be used and to be a conduit of salvation for others. We're called to use our testimonies for the glory of God in other people's lives. How many would say amen? What amazes me about this is that God gave Joseph the privilege of being that conduit of change. Instead of looking just at the situation and saying, well, my fiance's pregnant. I had a guy with shining lights come to me and say, take Mary to be your wife. So I did it, and I'm saved. Praise God. Whew. But instead of doing that and just sitting back, he had the privilege, the responsibility, and the authority to declare the will of God for this situation. And in the sovereignty of God, I don't get it, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't understand how it happens. I don't understand how God has a sovereign perfect plan, but we have a, a special part to play in it. That we are able to be agents for his plan in other people's lives. I don't get it. 
Well, we are. And so my challenge to each and every one of us today is what are the situations in your life? What are the situations in other people's lives that you are called to be the catalyst of change for? Joseph, he wasn't just looking at the situation. He was looking to the Savior. He was looking to the Savior of the world. He wasn't just looking at what was happening. He was saying, I have a bigger kingdom perspective that God wants to do something supernatural in this situation. And I love how it says, you will give him the name Jesus. And then later on, Matthew quotes, they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The words that Joseph spoke in the moment, because he was the conduit of God's plan, because he was used by God to speak life over the situation, because he was used by God to proclaim destiny over this child, because he was used by God to, as an instrument of his plan, we have the privilege of calling Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. We, you, me, those of you online, we are a part of the they. You guys realize that, right? They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. I've been reading about a woman. Many of you might know her name. Her name is Corey Ten Boom. Anyone have ever heard of the name Corey Ten Boom? She is a fascinating story. Corey was, as you can see, she lived in the early part of the 1900s, and she was, she lived in uh, Europe. She lived in the Netherlands, and she. She was, grew up in a God-fearing, godly home. Her, her parents loved the Lord, taught her about the Bible. And they lived in a, in, a, in, a, in a country where in the 1930s and 1940s where the Nazi regime came over, they, they started oppressing the Jewish uh, population. They also started oppressing anyone that really disagreed with the Nazi, Nazi regime. And so instead of Corey and her family just saying, we are safe we got, we got our own stuff to figure out. Food is scarce. Supplies are scarce. You know, there's all these things happening. We're, we're just going to kind of just, we're going to wait this one out. Instead of doing that, they made the decision to help those that the Nazis were oppressing. And so they started receiving Jewish people. They started receiving people that the, that the Nazi regime started oppressing, maybe the political opponents. They started receiving them into their home and they started caring for them. They started make, shipping them off, making sure they got to a safe place outside of the country. They're used by God. Instead of just sitting back and saying, hey, we're good, we're saved, we're safe in this situation. They are a conduit of salvations to other, to other people. Eventually, Corey and her family, they got arrested. They got put in jail. And eventually Corey was put in a concentration camp an amazing story, and when she gets out, she, her focus, what she felt like she was called to do was to bring healing and restoration to the people that oppressed her. She would literally travel around, she would find people of, of you know, the German descent, people that were hurt, and she would, she would be conduits of reconciliation between the two sides of the war and say, you know what, it's, the war's over, and we're all, we're all about from the king, same, same kingdom. We need to show love to each other. And she was actually an agent 
of salvation to others. And I love this quote from her. My wife showed me this yesterday. God uses our problems as building materials for his miracles. God uses our problems as building materials for his miracles. And our situations, the things that we're going through, are not, let me put it this way, God does not want us just to sit back, relax, roll over and say, that's just the way it is. No, Joseph's, he took a situation that on the outside could have looked bleak, on the outside could have looked difficult, on the outside could have looked challenging. He said, no, I want to be used by God. And God has opportunities for each and every one of us to be used. There's testimonies in this room that have yet to be tapped for the glory of God. There are, yes, there are testimonies still in progress. There are testimonies that God has done in our lives. There are things that God has done in us that he doesn't want us to keep for ourselves. He works through our situations. He saves us through our situations. He saves us so that way through us, other people can be saved. He saves us so that way we can go into our workplace. Maybe we, maybe we were a, one person a year and a half ago and we walk in and they say, How, what happened to you? Why did you change? He saved us so that way we can be that conduit. We can say, God changed me this way. God loves me. And guess what? God loves you. We can be the conduits of change in our homes. Maybe you're here, and I've, I've been talking about this a lot today, and I just feel like it, during this, this Christmas season, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of challenges and a lot of conflict with families. And maybe if, over this season, you're going to be interacting with family members that for years you have just ignored because you're like, I don't, I, praise God, God saved me, but this guy is too far gone. That uncle so-and-so, there, there's no way God's reaching him. You are the conduit that God can use to impact his life. You are the conduit that God can use for that child's life, for that teenager's life. So today we've recognized that God saves us. The Savior has come to change us beyond even our expectations. You see, saving is not just one time for us in a moment. We can say, check, got that done. Saving is a continual process. And each and every one of us in this room need the saving grace of Jesus. Each and every one of us in this room need the outflow and the outpouring of the presence of God to save us and to redeem us and to wash us and to cleanse us. If you woke up today, you need a Savior. Maybe you're here, maybe you're, on, and you're watching online. And you've heard me talking about what a savior is. And you realize that you have never grabbed onto, you've never received the savior in your life. Today's the day. Today's the day that you can receive the savior. Maybe as I've been talking earlier and I said, you know, we're all in a fallen world. We all have sin. We all have issues. Maybe you're here and you're like, I have that and I need God to change me. And maybe you have never said, Jesus, I trust you as my savior. Today's the day in this room online that you can receive Jesus as your savior and you can receive that saving grace and you can be in perfect union with God. So if every head would bow, every eye would close, Maybe you're here and you're like, I 
need that Savior. I've never, I've never proclaimed my faith in Jesus. I've never put my trust in Jesus. I've never established that Jesus is the Lord of my life. In a moment, I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Today, we're gonna hold on to that promise. And so if you're here and you have never declared with your mouth and never, uh, and never believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, today is the day of salvation. So I wonder if there's anyone in this room that says, you know what? I wanna put my faith in Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? No one's looking, it's just between you and me. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone that says, you know what? I recognize I need a savior, I need salvation today. I'm tired of living in my old ways and I need to receive the salvation that you have for me, Jesus. Just raise your hand. Those of you online, you can do this in your, your kitchen, in your dining room, wherever you're at. Maybe someone online has been battling for years and you're tired of running and you know God's been chasing you, today's the day. So what I wanna do, we're all gonna say this and if you're listening online, if you're here in this room and this is the first time you're saying this, again, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So we're all gonna repeat this, but this is an opportunity for you to put that, that passage into practice. So everyone repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you came to this earth. You came to save me. I thank you, Jesus, that your purpose was to come to this earth and save me so I can be in union with God. So Jesus, I receive you as Lord. I confess you as King, and I believe in my heart that you are entering into me. So dear Jesus, would you receive me as I receive you, as Lord, as Savior, and as King. Amen.